Welcome to Don't Look Now, the podcast with your hosts, Jenny McDonald and Will Hageman, coming to you every Tuesday with our podcasts, uh, basically going through all kinds of random topics from history, mystery, supernatural stuff, disappearances, cults, cats, coffee, whatever the case may be. <laughs> I'm always chosen by Jenny, who has researched something of which I do not know, and uh, it's going to give you some hints here. So, so Yeah. Is this something I can figure out? What are we what are we talking about tonight? Honestly, if you can't figure this out, I might have to take away your engineer card. Now you're just gonna embarrass me. All right, cool. <laughs> you didn't know right. that? Uh, yeah, okay. An inventor. Okay. Um was obsessed with pigeons. Hmm. I'm just going to go with Tesla, but I don't know. <laughs> Seems you're like the correct. sort that would be into to pigeons and homing, but I don't know that. So, Well, you're correct, sir. You're All correct. Right, cool. All right. Do you feel good that you didn't have to lose your engineer card over that? Yeah, yeah I didn't have to turn in my card. It's all good. Perfect. And your card is intact. So. Yeah. Let's see. Nikola Tesla. Um, so he's he, he's a guy. Um, invented a lot, a lot of stuff. Did a lot of mathy stuff. None of which I'm going to go into detail on because <laughs> we know I'm going to just f that up real bad. Especially like my brain is just fried. So, but let's talk about him. Yep. So he's born in modern day Croatia in 1856. His father, Militan, was a priest of the Serbian Orthodox Church, which is interesting. Did not realize this. Yeah. Uh, from an early age, he demonstrated just kind of this obsessiveness that would puzzle and amuse a lot of people. He could memorize entire books, and he could store logarithmic tables in his brain. <laughs> which just feels disgusting to someone who struggles with math, right? Yeah. Um, he picked up languages really easily, and he could work days and nights with only an hour or two of sleep. True engineer. True engineer. It'll all come back to haunt you eventually, though. Right? Either you'll sleep nonstop, yeah, or yeah. you'll never get good sleep again. It's like, I did that, and then I graduated, and then I slept for a year and a half. I feel like that is every degree. Like, for the first yeah. year, you get the first real eight hours of sleep, but then it yeah. somehow turns into 12. Yeah. Yeah. Just remember going from never sleeping to being a working person and like going to bed at, you know, 730 or eight and just crashing. Like could not keep myself awake. <laughs> Where do we I, find the energy while in school? Because I get real tired these days. Yeah. I don't know. Well, then you're right. So Tesla's mother, Duke, um, was uh, talented for making tools and mechanical appliances and memorized Serbic epic poems. Um, Duke had never received any formal education, but he, uh, but Tesla totally credited his eidetic memory and creative abilities to his mother's genetics and her influence on his life. Mm -hmm. So just fantastic, right? Mm -hmm. 
Also, her father was also an Eastern Orthodox priest. Huh. I had no so, idea that he had that background. So, Right? Because usually when you hear scientists, they're very, like, the opposite of religion. So it's fascinating. Tesla was the fourth of five children. He had three sisters and an older brother who was killed in a horse riding accident when Tesla was just five years old. In 1861, he attended primary school in Simlin, where he studied German, er, uh, math, and religion. Mm -hmm. Um, Then in 1862, they moved to a nearby town called Gospic, where his father worked as a parish priest. Uh, He completes primary school and middle school pretty quickly. Um, And by 1870, they move again to a different high school and went to um, the Realschule, where classes are held totally in German at this point. So Realschule is a different kind of education in Germany where it's geared more towards, well, I guess at that point, Realschule was geared more through people that would be attending um, the military. Okay. So like now it's kind of like the trades. And then Mm -hmm. there's also Hauptschule, which is more like the people that are going to go to higher ed. This is if my high school German has not screwed us over in this conversation. (laughs) At any rate. um, So he becomes interested in demonstrations of electricity. And he notes that demonstrations of mysterious phenomena made him want to know more about the wonderful force. And at this point, he's able to perform pretty intense calculus totally in his head. So Mm -hmm. all of his teachers are like, you are cheating. (laughs) So to get through it, he gets through it quickly. Um, This is a great tactic that if you're allowed to do it, it's fantastic. So he finished four years and three and graduated in 1873. Um, After graduating from high school, he returns to Simeon with his family, but he contracts cholera there Mm. and he's bedridden and was near death multiple times with cholera. In a moment of despair, his father um, who had wanted him to enter the priesthood Promises to send him to the best engineering school if he recovers from the illness. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure who he was making this deal with, but if it was with Nikola Tesla, who's on his deathbed, interesting tactic to get somebody yep. to get well, right? Yep. <laughs> it sounds like um, it works. That's how it works, right? Yep. This is what yep. you need to tell your children when they get sick the next time, yep. Will. Yeah. I think for most people, the chance to go to engineering school wouldn't suddenly give them the will to live. (laughs) Not anymore. It's miserable. (laughs) (laughs) At least for some of my students, it seems to be sucking the will to live right out of them. But, you know, not all, but some. I can understand this. Um, So the next year, he evades conscription into the Hungarian army by running away. (laughs) As you do. Mm -hmm. Um, And he goes to... Le- mm, to Tomenyeg. Um, here he explores the mountains wearing hunter's garb. At this point, he says the contact with nature made him stronger physically and mentally. And he reads a bunch of books, including Mark Twain. And he thought that Mark Twain was what really helped him recover from cholera. Hmm. Which I think is interesting. Yeah, I would not have guessed that. <laughs> right? Another like that's what you think got you better. Your dad thought he could just trick you into it. You thought that you could read Mark Twain and get out of it. Okay. So he ends up enrolling in the Imperial Royal Technical College in Graz in 1875 on a military scholarship, which is interesting because he evaded the military. (laughs) 
In his autobiography, he said he worked hard and earned the highest grades possible and passed nine exams, uh, which is twice as many as were required to get in. Receives a letter of commendation from the dean of the technical faculty to his father, which stated, your son's a uh, star of the first rank, which I think is a terrible thing to tell anybody. Yeah. I think anybody that especially is young that hears that they're a star becomes an egomaniac and then they can never meet those standards again in, later in life. <laughs> just, I, I'm not for it is what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. So he's studying electrical engineering at the Polytechnic Institute in Graz in Austria, where he pretty much, you know, becomes that wunderkind. Uh, but he finds himself in an ongoing debate with a professor over perceived design flaws in direct current motors that were being demonstrated in class. And basically, he had a ton of energy to spare. So he was like, I'm just going to fix this problem. Um, to him, he decided this was life or death. It needed to be done. If he didn't do it, then he would have failed. So he just got to work trying to find a solution um, to fix those design flaws. Mm-hmm indirect current motors <laughs> yeah you know that whole focus on one particular problem thing that some people some people have and some people don't <laughs> i've never right. been ocd enough to get that obsessed with the answer to anything myself so yeah but the problem with it is and this is his problem is that he becomes so single-mindedly focused on this that he starts to fail classes and it ends up not graduating <laughs> And has to leave by December of uh, 1878. Um, and there's also like a biographer that suggests, and I don't know this for a fact, that he might have been expelled for womanizing and gambling. But based on the rest of his life, the womanizing doesn't make sense. Neither does the gambling, if I'm super honest. But yeah, whatever. So he leaves school and his family doesn't hear from him. Um, there's a rumor from his classmates that he drowned in the nearby river. Um but one of them runs into him in the town of Marbor and reports to everybody, he's alive and well. And here's what he's up to. This is why you can't go places. Everybody can get back to your parents. They all tell everybody what's going on. You can keep no secrets, right? Mm-hmm. So he turns out Tesla's been working as a draftsman in Marbor uh, for about 60 florins per month. Um, and in March of 1878, his father finally locates him and is like, what the hell would you come home we'll send you somewhere else to school we just need to finish this education thing so he's like i guess so he goes back to town where his family's living gospic and later that month ends up getting deported because he didn't have a residence permit (laughs) unfortunately his father dies the next month uh from an unspecified illness so just a a random fyi our, our german foreign exchange program is with the students from marburg so oh really Yep. No, Tesla. Yep. Did not know he was there. I know that they've got a first-rate university there, but I didn't know Tesla was hanging out there working as a draftsman. But. Just doing his business, you know, yeah. NBD. Uh, so from the rest of the year in April of 1879 on, Tesla teaches a class of students at the high school in the town that he was kicked out of because uh, he didn't have a residence permit. <laughs> then by January, two of his uncles get enough money together to send him to Prague where he was supposed to study. Unfortunately, because it's January and classes start in January, he arrives a little bit late to enroll at Charles Ferdinand University. He doesn't understand Greek, which is required, and he's illiterate in Czech, which is another required subject. (laughs) 
Just hope and a dream, baby. Hope and a dream. So he starts to attend lectures in philosophy as an auditor, but doesn't get any grades. He spends the next few years of his life just thinking about electromagnetic fields and a hypothetical motor powered by alternate current that would and should work. Once again, though, he becomes freaking obsessed and he can't focus on anything but this. Uh, professors at the university, as he's finally attending, are like, you got to pay attention because the way that you're working and the way that you're sleeping, it's going to kill you at this rate. Like, you have to actually sleep at night. You have to not be so focused on things. But he's like, whatever. I I don't think so. So, like I said, he became that draftsman. He could not get through school. He's just kind of a hot mess. And he suffers a nervous breakdown. So... In 1881, he moves to Budapest, and this is pretty much after he's recovered mostly from his breakdown, Mm -hmm. and he's walking through a park with his friend. They're reciting poetry back and forth to each other, as as friends do, Will, (laughs) all the time, right? Like, poetry. When a vision comes to him, I'm going to let that go. They're in the park with a stick. He draws a crude diagram in the dirt which is a motor using the principle of rotating magnetic fields created by two or more alternating currents. While AC electrification had been employed before, there was never a working practical motor running on alternative coder current until he invented this induction motor several years later. There you go. Those all sound right. Yeah. Doing all right. Doing all right so far. (laughs) No details, just broad strokes. (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking, walking through the park, reciting poetry with your friend is what you did back before, you know, all electronics existed. So, yeah. You know what? I actually don't mind that as, like, a way to distract your brain to make you be able to be creative about something else. Like, it unlocks a different part of your brain, right? Actually, like I said, that one doesn't bother me as much as some other random-ass ones that I've heard. There's, there's no radio. There's no whatever. You're not listening to the latest pop song. You're not doing whatever. Like you post this thing to like, you know, pop culture is poems <laughs> and other things. And you're, you know, yeah, let's, let's recite the latest whatever. But yeah. And they're European. Um, Europeans yeah. love poetry. <laughs> totally. <laughs> All of them. All of them do. Every All of them. Yeah. Especially like yeah. the people that go to like Cambridge and stuff, yeah, according yeah. to that show I watched. <laughs> so June of 1884, Tesla sails to New York City and arrives as one does, totally bankrupt, has four whole pennies to his name. But he has a letter of recommendation from a former employer to Thomas Edison, who basically <laughs> reads the letter that says, my dear Edison, I know two great men and you're one of them. The other is this guy. <laughs> Something tells me Edison wouldn't take that too well, but I think this is an amazing letter of recommendation. And moving forward, this is the only way I plan on writing them. It's great. Yep. So meetings arranged, and Tesla describes the engineering work he's doing. Edison is like, huh? Is that what you're doing? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'll hire you, but okay. Um, according to Tesla, Edison offered him $50,000 if he could improve upon the DC generation plants uh, Edison favored. Within a few months, Tesla informed the American inventor he had indeed improved these motors. Edison, he noted, refused to pay up. 
When you're a full-fledged American, you'll appreciate an American joke, Edison reportedly told him. That's in keeping with Edison. Being a complete dick. That's... Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Tesla promptly quits, of course, because he's like, you know what? F you, sir. Uh, and takes his job hunting skills out and about. But it's not long before word gets out that Tesla's AC motor is worth investing in. And the Western Union Company puts Tesla to work in a lab not far from Edison's office where he designed a lot of these power systems that are still used around the world. The motors I built there were exactly as I imagined them. He says, I made no attempt to improve the design, but merely reproduce the pictures as they appeared in my vision. And the operation was always as I expected. Sir, stop and be a little <laughs> humble. 4%. Anyhow, he patents his motors and power systems. Um, they're probably the most valuable in inventions since the telephone. Soon, George Westinghouse recognizes his designs might be just what he needs in order to unseat Edison's DC current and license his patents for $60,000 in stock and cash and royalties based on how much electricity Westinghouse could sell. Ultimately, he wins the War of the Currents, um, but there's a lot of expense involved in this because there's litigation and competition from Westinghouse and the General Electric Company, which is Edison's company. So fearing ruin, Westinghouse begs Tesla for relief from the royalties, and Westinghouse agrees. He's like, your decision determines the face to the West fate of the Westinghouse company. Tesla, who's super grateful because this guy's never tried to swindle him, tears up the royalty contracts and walks away from millions in royalty that he's already owed and billions that would have accrued down the line. Um, he would have probably been one of the most wealthy people in the world and of the Gilded Age. He just was like, you never screwed me over. I'll walk away. Jeez. It's ridiculous. Um, his work with electricity reflected just one facet of his fertile mind. So before the 20th century, he had invented a power coil capable of generating high voltages and frequencies, which leads to new forms of light for neon and fluorescence as well as x-rays. He also discovered coils called Tesla coils, make it possible to send and receive radio signals. And he starts to file American patents in 1897 and beats um, Italian inventor Marconi. Guglielmo Marconi. Guglielmo? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Guglielmo. I don't know. Something like Ooh, you might be right. Guglielmo. That looks right. I'm going to go with that. There's. And too many L's close to each other. You Just can't go with Marconi. <laughs> Marconi. Can, there you go. Yeah. Yes. So Tesla continues to work on his ideas for wireless trans. Now I'm going to have problems with all L's moving forward. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to say them. L's are hard. Um, so he continues to work on his ideas for wireless transmissions when he proposed to JP Morgan his idea of a wireless globe. Let's just stop here for a second. In this story, we've already mentioned five of the most famous people in American history. <laughs> it's ridiculous. At any yeah. rate, uh, J.P. Morgan ponies up 150k to build a giant transmission tower, and Tesla promptly hires the architect Stanford White of McKim, Mead, and White in New York. And White is like, "This is a great idea. This is a fantastic idea." Um, so. They all know already that he's the guy behind Westinghouse and the alternating currents. So they're like, he knows what he's doing. This kid is smart, right? Mm -hmm. 
And they believed that as soon as it was completed, it would be possible for a businessman in New York to dictate instructions and have them appear in his office in London or anywhere else. He'd be able to call from his desk and talk to anybody in the globe without any change in existing equipment. Um, which most of this has come to fruition in this time. Uh, <laughs> took a while. But... It took a while, but he was not incorrect. He thought an inexpensive instrument, not bigger than a watch, would enable the bearer to hear anywhere on land or see music or song, speech or of a political leader, any of that stuff. Um, I I argue the inexpensive equipment, but you, we're getting there. I guess it's technically inexpensive. In terms of like, you know, a house or something is pretty dang cheap. A lot of money still. Yeah. So um, quickly, White gets to work designing Warden Cliff Tower in 1901. But soon after construction, it becomes pretty apparent that they're going to run out of money before they get done. So Tesla goes to JP Morgan and is like, hey, can I have some more cash, my good man? And he's like, no. <laughs> um, and investors are just throwing money behind Marconi at this point. And by December of 1901, Marconi successfully sent a signal from England to Newfoundland. Uh, Tesla grumbles the Italian was using 17 of his patents, but litigation favors Marconi and commercial damage is basically done. Ultimately, though, Tesla's claims are upheld, but not until after he passes and in the year 1943. So oh, that's a while. Yeah, it took a minute. It took a minute. 43 years later. Um, so Marconi is the one that is credited as the inventor of the radio and ends up becoming rich off of it. And Wardenclyffe Tower becomes a 186-foot tall relic. Um, it was torn down in 1917. And this leads to Tesla's worst of his breakdowns. Um, just kind of broke his heart, basically. Yeah. By 1912, he began to withdraw from the world in general. And was showing signs, just now showing, no one noticed before, just now showing signs of obsessive compulsive disorder. And was potentially a high-functioning autistic person. Yeah, I was going to bring that up a while ago. Okay. Potentially? Potentially. <laughs> we Hyper missed a couple of red flags much? here. No. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so he becomes obsessed with cleanliness and becomes focused on the number three, uh, begins shaking hands with people and then washing his hands in sets of three, which makes me, do you have to shake the hands three times or do you shake a hand, wash your hand, shake your hand? Like what's the order know. of operations on that? But these things matter. <laughs> well, it does. Cause then like the unsuspecting person shaking hands with him may not know that that's what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. Don't know. Um, he had to have 18 napkins on his table during meals. I don't disagree with that, actually. That one's a good, that's a good <laughs> rule to have. I'm a messy eater. Um, and would count his steps whenever he walked anywhere. He also claimed to have abnormal sensitivity to sounds and an acute sense of light. Once again, these are signs of autism. Um, incredibly like Adrian Monk from. Monk. Right. And like. <laughs> what we would now describe as textbook. Yes. <laughs> and probably like a regression of skill set, which happens quite frequently in people that have autism is my understanding. Hmm. So he lives in a hotel. Um, he lives on the 33rd floor of the New Yorker hotel. 
And he makes news from time to time at this rate. You don't hear a lot from him, but every once in a while he pops up, right? So 1931, he makes the cover of Time magazine, which features in his inventions on his 75th birthday. Hmm. So it's been like 10 years since the tower came down and just kind of 75th birthday. Seems like a long life already, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, I did not know he actually lived to be that old. So, Man, this guy goes on for a while. Um, so in... 1934, the New York Times reports that Tesla was working on a death beam that's mm-hmm. capable of knocking 10,000 enemy airplanes out of the sky. This is World War One-ish, pre-World War II-ish. Um, I hope to find a prototypical defense weapon in the interest of world peace, but his appeals to J.P. Morgan for money to develop it, uh, J.P. Morgan Jr., that is, and British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain go nowhere. He does, however... <laughs> get money from the soviets for twenty five thousand dollars but <laughs> nothing really happens um he during this period of time starts to fixate on pigeons this is where the pigeons come in yeah so i think he's a little batty at this point um because he specifically is enamored with a white female pigeon and claimed to love her as one would another human being <laughs> One night, he claimed the white pigeon visited him through an open window at his hotel, and he believed the bird had come to tell him she was dying. He then saw two powerful beams of light in the bird's eye, and he later says it was a real thing. It was powerful. It was dazzling. It was blinding. It was more intense than any of the uh, most powerful lamps in my laboratory. And then the pigeon died in his arms, and he knew in that moment that he was done working. That's a lot. Not the end of his story. So fall of 1937, he's now 81 years old and it's after midnight and he leaves the hotel New Yorker to make his regular commute to the cathedral and library to feed his pigeons. And while crossing a street a couple of blocks from the hotel, he was struck by a taxi cab and thrown to the ground. At 81, this did not kill him. It's impressive. Right? He threw his back out and three of his ribs were broken. Um, The full extent of his injuries are not ever really known because he refused to go to a doctor, which was something he never, you know, would do anyway. And so he never quite fully recovers from this. 81, though. That's pretty impressive. And then on January 7th of 1943, at the age of 86, he dies alone in his room in 3327 of the Hotel New Yorker. He's found by the maid, Alice Monahan when she enters his room, ignoring the do not disturb sign, probably because she's like, I got to get into this crazy man's room. No one's seen him for a couple of days. Um, he placed it on his door two days previously. Uh, assistant medical examiner H.W. Wembley examines the body and rules the cause of death as coronary thrombosis, which is a type of heart attack. At this point, they come in and clear out all of his stuff because the U.S. government is convinced that he has a death ray somewhere in his hotel room he does not all the rest of his stuff is shipped back to europe yeah so if we go down a rabbit hole like i said he has a ton of inventions you can look them all up there's truly like 100 and then i gave up sorry my eye just um but down the rabbit hole We know that Tesla received his U.S. citizenship in 1891. So this is the same year he invented the Tesla coil. And 
The Tesla coils are a type of electrical circuit used to generate low current, high voltage electricity. They're used today in radios, televisions, and other electronics and can also be used for wireless transmission. There's a coil at the Tesla Experimental Station in Colorado Springs that created 30-foot sparks that can be seen from 10 miles away, which I think is fabulous. Do you imagine fireworks from 10 miles away? Yeah. Beautiful. Um, apparently, during the War of the Currents, Tesla was a little nutty. Um, and <laughs> we know that what's at stake is the basis for the entire na nation's electrical um, system. Yeah. So Edison launches a campaign against AC claiming it's dangerous and could kill people. So Tesla's like, don't worry, I know how to prove how safe AC is. And he starts subjecting himself to 250,000 volt shocks just to demonstrate how safe it is. Yeah. Maybe not the right way to do things. <laughs> but also scary. Uh, he designed the first hydroelectric power plant in Niagara Falls, uh, which harnesses the power of waterfalls that he pretty much had marveled at since he was little. We know that construction took three years and power first flowed into homes in nearby Buffalo on November 16th of 1896. There is a statue of Tesla on Goat Island that overlooks the falls today. Hmm. Uh Teslas are a unit used to measure the strength of magnetic fields and are named obviously after him and also Tesla motors from the Tesla. Does Elon Musk run it? Own it? He owns it. Likes to pretend that he actually like does technical things, but he doesn't. So yeah. there's no way. I'm sorry. There's no way. This man has way too much going on. He can't possibly have time to do all that. Yep, he's he's an owner. It seems to be his kind of thing to be an owner and try to portray the whole "I am the chief engineer of things" when that's really not the case. But you know, that's the story of Nikola Tesla. Nice. Well, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I I really did not realize he lived that long. For some reason, I always thought he was one of the ones that had you know died young and had never you know lived up to his potential, sort of thing. And you know. Never really followed him that closely. I just kind of know the basis of okay, yeah, AC power and his death ray and whatever. But yeah, no, no, he's actually interesting because he was very successful, just not monetarily. And he could have yeah. been monetarily. He chose to yeah. give away his fortune, but yeah, nothing ever really kicked off as much as the whole power struggle between the yeah. two. Yeah. Nope. It's interesting. I know a lot of people that are, you know, super huge Nikola Tesla fans. I mean, now you get to bring up that he fell in love with a white pigeon. Yeah, you know. But he seems to he seems to have kind of just attracted a major cult following of people that like are really obsessed with Tesla. So hmm. cult following of people that have autistic tendencies. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to try to look for correlation there. I don't know just run into people that really really like following like tesla and think he's you know you know the super genius that was so mr super misunderstood and had all these inventions that we just don't know about it i think it sparks some of the conspiracy theory thing especially because of like the death ray stuff that like yeah you really knew how to do this stuff and we've lost that ability and da 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 you know, this is one of those things that when it comes to technology, it comes up 
quite frequently that like we've lost the ability to do a thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. We we probably haven't. No. Right? Like Yeah. We just maybe like didn't people. need it yet enough <laughs> yeah. to make it worth pursuing. Yes. It's like we've lost the ability to make the pyramids or something. Like we could make the pyramids. We could make right. the pyramids better than the pyramids are made. No one's going to spend that much money. Or we time. can't make we can't make the pyramids today because nobody has a trillion dollars to throw at it to hire that many people and do that many things for that long to actually right. do it right. So we can't do it quick and dirty like we would think you'd build something. So we don't. But I mean, like we don't do these four hundred year like, building projects anymore. Yeah. yeah, it's just you know. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, we can't make great roads like the Romans did. It's like, yeah, you can. <laughs> Roman engineers were better. Like, no, they weren't. It just, you know, they they were fixing those roads just as much as we fix our roads. <laughs> like, yes, just as much. It was a constant battle. Uh, I question whether or not the Teutonic plates were shifting as much during the Roman period. <laughs> there's there's a lot of stuff, but yeah, it's it's you know people get a little obsessed with this whole ancient knowledge sort of thing, but. Things that the Romans weren't dealing with, fracking, (laughs) mining, oil, farming. Well, they were dealing with farming, but they weren't dealing with groundwater being siphoned off and things like that the way we do now. I'm sorry. They were not dealing with the same problems. They had different problems. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. There was a crap ton of labor. (laughs) It was. Available manual labor. And what kind of a manual labor did they have available to them? Slaves. Yep. What do we not have? Well, we still do in some countries. I do apologize for that. But currently, we should not have slaves, even though there's argument for domestic slavery. But anyhow. Yeah. Certainly not at that level. That's, yeah. Correct. I don't know. It's got off topic. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, no, thanks for those. It's yeah, it's a good topic, especially as a, an electrical engineer. You definitely definitely run into Tesla a lot and you know. And as as someone that teaches EM theory, you definitely run into Teslas all the time <laughs> in terms of the units. So yeah. Cool stuff. But well, thanks for doing it. Thank you everybody for listening to us this week. You know, as always, rate, subscribe, review, tell your friends about our podcast, and uh, we will catch you all in another week. Bye-bye, folks. Bye. Bye.